Good morning. The reading this morning is from 2 Thessalonians, um, chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to verse 18, and that can be found on page 990 of the Church Bibles. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labour we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Victoria. And to all who've led, um, and a special thanks to um, Nathan, our guitarist. You may have seen him arrive really late with his guitar. Let me just reassure you, he arrived at half past eight with one guitar. It broke, so he went home and got a second one. So um, we're delighted. Thank you very much, uh, Nathan. Now, we are at the beginning of another uh, church uh, year uh, Chalmers begins its 10th year as a church this year. 1st of June 2024 will mark the 10th anniversary of the first service in the Faith Mission Conference Centre. 10 years is a short time, but a lot has happened in these 10 years. And a lot will happen in the next year. Let me just list some of the things that we can begin to be praying about uh, the preaching on Sundays, uh, Genesis and Matthew this term, and then to Timothy and Hosea uh, next. Our small groups right across the church will be studying Genesis following the Sunday morning uh, series. One of the convictions we have is all to study the same book of the Bible, not all the time, but for the majority of the time on Sundays. Sunday mornings and in small groups, that together 
uh, we grow uh, in maturity as we consider and think through the same themes together. There will be lots of training of our small group leaders. A lot of that goes on through the week in homes and in the building here. Uh, As uh, Callum has prayed, ministry associates and leaders in training. And then the the sad event, and yet glad event, at the end of the year of sending some of them away to other churches. That gets no easier year and year, and it leaves big holes, uh, but it's a good thing to do, and we're glad to be able to do it. And our gospel partners, we heard from the Brashes this morning, and we've been privileged to have a number join us over the summer. Gospel partners are global, and gospel partners are national. For example, Charleston Community Church up in Dundee. One of the things that we are beginning to do with Andy and Kyrene in the church there is go and spend time with them to pray. So, for example, tomorrow night there are a group of elders and others going to spend time in Dundee with them and pray. And uh, we want that to be opened up to, to others in the church. So there are a couple of spaces tomorrow if you want to come for the evening up to Dundee, City of Discovery, and uh, pray with uh, Andy, Kyrene, and the team in Charleston. You'd be very welcome to speak to me. Children and youth programs, internationals, outreach. And uh, two new ministries. One is called Connections. Connections is... Um, uh, is going to meet on Thursdays, 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, we think. It'll kick off in September. Um, and it really is all age for people to come. There will be a short uh, Bible talk, an evangelistic Bible talk from Mark's Gospel this term. And we want people to come and use this building to make connections. Um, this is cafe culture here. We'll provide something nice to eat. Um, we will provide coffee, but we want to also encourage people to get carry-out coffee from the local businesses and bring it um, uh, here. And uh, so do begin to pray uh, for that. Uh, if it doesn't work and if it isn't effective, we'll stop it and start something else. But we want to start this off and uh, encourage uh, folks to come across all ages and make connections uh, with the community. Um, And another ministry that, well, it's not a new thing. We have lots of children and youth programs, but we've clocked the the number of teenagers who go past the front door of this church twice a day on their way to school and on their way home is somewhere between two and two and a half thousand. Because there's Watsons, there's Harriets, there's Gillespie's, there's Boromir, and there's a kind of stream going that way. and then a stream coming this way and a stream coming this way, and they all intersect outside uh, the building here. One of the things we'd we'd love to do is, um, as a starting point, is get these uh, young people to come into this building and then connect them in to the various groups. But firstly, we've got to create a context that they feel comfortable with here. Um, Their time, their patch, their agenda. We've got a wonderful site we're told that we need to provide something like toasties, put up some basketball nets, give them some space, whatever, and allow them to come and to make this place, this building, their patch, their site, their time, and then to introduce the gospel to them, at which point many will not come. And We have to be confident that the Bible, the Word of God, is what changes lives. It's a church. But they're going past the door in their droves. So pray for that. Now, that 
isn't finally finalized, that latter thing that I spoke about. And what I'd much rather we did is when something like that is, is on our hearts, is to share that with us so we can pray and so we can serve these different things. So do pray for that. And it's great to see uh, the church, uh, more and more people from the local community uh, coming in. Somebody said to me this past week in, in one of the coffee shops, do you know anything about that building up on the road that's become a church again? And I went, yeah, I do. And uh, they said, we're delighted it's not Pizza Express. <laughs> that, that's not, Pizza Express is wonderful. Um, but it, it's great that it is a church building, and it's great to see the community enthused um, about, about that. So one thing I haven't mentioned, which is the, right at the top of our agenda every year, and... Uh, I saved the best to last, and that is caring for one another as a church family. I, there are 400 of us little ones to older ones, and that means 400 lives that have needs. And in the church family, over the course of the coming year, many, many people will have very significant needs. And our um, privilege and responsibility is to care for one another, all of us, caring for one another. So that's what's ahead. Now, in our final study of uh, 2 Thessalonians, and in some ways this uh, letter, um, over the Sunday mornings in the summer, has been something of a preparation for the year ahead. I mean, it kind of sets out the stall of what an authentic church is like. And, And we come under that mirror and say, well, is that us? Is it not us? What do we need to put right? What do we need to continue to emphasize? And uh, it's good to have that kind of health check in the summer. And then Paul, the writer, exhorts them to press on for another year. And he's not unrealistic in exhorting them to press on. There's full of exhortations. But in our passage today, there's that very powerful verse, uh, don't go weary. Now, I think implicit in that is... Come on, some of you will be weary. Of course we're weary. And I, I was sort of thinking this week in terms of preaching the sermon, should, should, should I kind of say we're weary? And, and that's true. It's true for me, Roger, I think, Jay, others. The elder, we are quite weary. And we're weary because of, of life and activity and busyness and spiritual growth because it's never unopposed. But I began to think through the course of the week, how do, you, how do you respond to that sort of text of, of, of weariness as you, as you start another uh, church uh, year? And, and, and the, the passages I've studied it and going back over the two letters, one and two Thessalonians, to try and get the heart of them, has not rebuked me. It's just steadied me and given me joy in my heart for another year. And that's not me then now going to do a speech about that. I think it's what the Word of God does in us kind of takes us as a church this morning and sets us up for the new year. Now, um, what, I, what I want us to do is, is three things. And um, we've kind of talked about this this week as a team, working out how we're going to tackle this last passage. So what I'm going to do is I want to summarize the message of the book, the letter, partly because a lot of us have been here and there in different places over the summer. And because 1 and 2 Thessalonians are written so close together and they have common themes, just to draw together what these are. And if you are new to the city, new to Chalmers, this in a sense is, 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 
is the Bible setting out its stall for what an authentic church is. One of the things we, we enjoy in the city here is real good gospel partnership with a number of churches. Edinburgh's well blessed by churches. And they are, they're well loved by each other, which is a healthy thing uh, for the city. And, and we're delighted if people settle in a living church across the city. But the only caution we would give is that it's, it, you want to be looking for a church that is described in the Bible as an authentic church. Now, that is true of people coming to the city. It's even more true of the many, many people that come to the end of their studies or move out into the suburbs or another part of the country and church figuring on the agenda is such an important decision uh, for their long-term good. So I want to summarize the, the letter and look at authenticity. And then uh, second and third to explain just briefly the last section from verse 6 of chapter um, 3. So let's pray as, as we do that together. Lord Jesus, we, um, we thank you very much. Uh, for your um, care of us as a church over these past 10 years. We thank you for the word of God, the heartbeat of the church. We thank you for the love and care of people for one another. And pray that as we take stock this morning on the cusp of another new year, we would understand what is authentic. And if that is true of us, that we would be affirmed in it and galvanized to just carry on. And Lord, help us to, 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 to be guided by your word with the energy and zeal to do so. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, on the back of the service sheet, there are some notes that will um, help us. Uh, firstly, the message of these two letters, particularly two Thessalonians, but they are, as I said, written very, very close together. Um, the church in Thessalonica was an authentic church. It was genuine. It was real. It was a church that gave the apostle great joy. It was a little church, though, in terms of years. It was a young church. We only uh, know what went on in the first three or four years of the church from these two letters. Now, Paul affirms the church for its authenticity in a number of key areas. And... Um, First, there are clear convictions about the word of God and prayer. Now, we would often say, we would often say, and you'd hear us say that Chalmers as a church is convicted about the word of God, the ministry of the word, preaching, teaching, small group leading, training leaders, equipping people, all of us speaking the truth in love. Whenever we, we meet somebody one-on-one, we, we, we talk, we care, we listen, we pray, but we open the Bible and read it. I was seeing a, a, a couple of people this morning came in to church to have a one-on-one and they went from room to room. They couldn't find a room that wasn't being set up, wasn't being dusted or hoovered or whatever. But there they were um, with the Bible, just reading it, it together. And it's such a vital thing, it's such an important thing. And therefore it's helpful to be reminded from the Bible why that is. So clear convictions about the word of God and prayer. Let me read you um, just a verse from each of the letters. Here's 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Just flick back if you have a Bible or if you're using one. It's just such a, a, a strong statement. We thank God constantly for this. 
And of course, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. The Apostles are, are, are inspired by the Lord Jesus to write his words. So you want to hear the, the, the Lord Jesus saying these words through his Apostles. And they come straight to, to us. The Lord Jesus gives thanks for a church when it receives the word of God, which you heard from us, Paul says, the Apostles, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Apostles. That, that a church, not just simply that is expressing its commitment to the word of God, but receiving the word of God, that means listening, and it means hearing, and it means receiving and, and, and doing, which is at work in you uh, believers. One of the, the, the things about the ministry of the word or the Bible at the heart of a church, um, and you could go to, to, to the parables, for example, in Mark's gospel, it takes a long time for the word to work. It, it appears weak. It doesn't sound like it's the thing that's going to transform people. But the Bible says it does. And one of the perspectives of uh, 10 years of a church, and we were um, we're, we're looking, you'll see in the screen there, that, that Craig Henry's going to become a new elder. And we met with uh, Craig this week, a number of the elders, and I, I, I didn't tell him I was going to ask them this. And I said, what's the, what's the most encouraging thing about being an elder, and what's the hardest thing? And, and the most encouraging thing a number of them commented on was, was the joy of seeing people change over years as the Word of God does its work, quietly and imperceptibly in people's lives. was the hardest thing. Seeing people not change. Because they will not receive the word of God. So, that's a very strong statement. Let me go to the second letter, just to flick to chapter 2 of the second letter. Verses 13 to 15. And this mirrors uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We thank God continually. Here we are in the second letter, chapter 2, verse 13. We ought always to give thanks to God. Notice the thanksgiving is to God. God, through his word, works. And so our thanks are to God, not to the Bible teachers. Our thanks are to God. Brothers beloved by the Lord, or brothers and sisters beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand fast and hold to the traditions that were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now, there's a clear, clear statement. This is the apostles writing. Jesus, apostles. And when we say in the creed, as we often do, we are part of the apostolic church. That means that we are, are sticking with the apostles' words in the Bible. And that's not something to be assumed anymore. It's so critical that you stick to the apostles' words when all around, in culture and in the church, there is a different agenda. Now, Paul affirms this church in Thessalonica in the clarity of their convictions about the word of God. They received the apostles' teaching as the word of God. They taught it and they spoke it. 
And I think it's right for us to acknowledge that by God's grace and through our accountability to one another, and one of the ways that accountability is expressed in relation to the, the Bible or word ministry in the church is not having one teacher. Not having one minister, if you like, or full-time elder, having three. And they work together and hold each other accountable. And having uh, many, many people teaching the Bible in small groups and whatever, and one-to-one, so the whole church grows in maturity uh, together. And it's such a, a, a better way, such a richer way, such a safer way. And... Ten years would allow us to say that the Bible, which has been at the heart of things, we have been changed and transformed by it. So we receive that encouragement. Paul also affirms the church in their commitment to pray. So prayer suffuses the two letters. For example, pray without ceasing. Pray for us. Pray Both letters have many exhortations. Interestingly, almost all the uh, New Testament letters are written to churches, not individuals. So we are corporate. We gather together. God gathers us. We are far better off. There's no lone rangers in the Christian faith. We need each other. We really need each other. And prayer is expressed corporately often in the life of a church. One of the great blessings of uh, Uh, Charmers certainly to me is that there are loads and loads of small groups where people are loved and cared for and they pray for one another. And when we meet up individually, we pray. But the the majority of the applications or exhortations to pray in the New Testament are to the whole church when you gather together to pray. We do that on Sundays. Callum uh, led us, Roger led us uh, in prayer. But we do it once a month as a church and we've done that from uh, the beginning. And we pray for everything, and we pray for everyone, and we pray um, to God saying there is nothing that we can do as a church that we can do apart from uh, you. Now, many come to that. About half the church come to pray on a Tuesday once a month. I want to be honest and direct with those of you who don't, and I want you to start coming. I'm persuaded that God is persuaded by a church whose whole heartbeat is to pray. And that's the lifeblood of the church once a month. The date, Tuesday the 22nd of August, a week on Tuesday. Please come. You don't need to pray out loud. In fact, you can do what I often do and drift off. Well, you know how occasionally we do that. You probably all, that's me just saying to you, if you've drifted off now, come back. You know when you've drifted off in a prayer meeting, when you pray exactly the same prayer that someone else has prayed? There's some wonderful stuff we'll see in Matthew's Gospel about praying. Simple words. Simple words. Just sound your amen. Come and learn. You got a snapshot from Richard and Yuko today. Just, it's great to be able to mention your names. We're not always able to do that with partners. You got a snapshot. Contact the church office if you want more information so you can pray for them. Come along on a Tuesday when we have them live stream from Japan at some unearthly hour of the morning. 
when they spend an hour talking to us. It's hugely informative, hugely informative. Please come. Um, Paul affirms the church for the clarity of their convictions about the word of God and prayer. And um, it says that I've only been going for 14 minutes. I don't believe that. Is that right? Or did you generously start the clock late? (laughs) Fortunately, the person is nodding. (laughs) Um, Not that late, though. Um, You know, there's a world of a difference between a church which is clear in its convictions about things and a church that because it's clear in its convictions about things is experiencing the outworking or the fruit of these things in our lives. So what is the outworking of a conviction about the word of God and prayer? It is faith and love and hope. So Paul begins uh, his first letter. Let me just read this. Don't look back. We thank God for you because of your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 9 and 10 concerning brotherly love. You are doing it. Do it more. And then the beginning of 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3, we always ought to thank God for you because your faith is growing abundantly. The love of every one of you for every other is increasing. Faith, love, and hope. Now, when you talk about that as a church, um, not everyone is growing in their faith and their love and in their hope. Not everyone feels love in a church all the time. None of us do. There are periods when uh, somebody uh, knows something in our lives and they they don't express, they don't care for us, they don't remember what we say. Um, We're we're frail, we're we're fallen uh, human human beings. We make mistakes, we, we put these things right, we say... Uh, sorry to people, but the Bible always talks about a church growing in these things, growing in faith, growing in love, growing in hope. Let me illustrate what that looks like in a small group. Someone in a small group, um, ill, and I scripted this earlier uh, this week, it's not uh, intended to be specific to anyone sitting here, um, except it is specific to lots of people who sit here. <laughs> Someone in a small group ill with cancer, say. As they study the word of God together and pray for one another, even if through Zoom, because that person who is ill cannot meet with the small group in person. You know how you sit around the the lounge and there's a computer there with someone on Zoom. That happens sometimes because they can't be there because of the risk of infection. Or it might be that the leader of the small group that studies meets up with that person one-on-one. And as they study the Word of God together, listening and receiving it and praying for one another, what happens is the Word is at work in them to assure them in their faith in Jesus. That's what faith is. That's what faith is when it's commended. Faith in Jesus, in 
the person and the object of faith, it assures them that they are in Christ. They are assured that they are united with Christ, safe and secure in him, inseparable and loved, loved by God. Loved by God. Loved by God, but also lovers of God and of one another. Love in a church is a fourfold dynamic. The love of God for us, our love for God, our love for our brother or sister, and their love for us. That is a rich dynamic. A fourfold love dynamic is the outworking of the ministry of the word and of prayer. Faith, love, and hope. When people are experiencing illness, they can find themselves in a deep valley of uncertainty, waiting, waiting, waiting for answers, natural anxiety, fear, but never ever without hope. Not hope that things will turn out in this life in ways we would desire, but hope in heaven and eternal life. Christian hope. Now, when, when as a church we express a commitment to word and prayer or the ministry of the word and prayer, what we are expressing a commitment to is seeing faith, love and hope grow in people's lives. And it's happening, it does happen. That's why we encourage people, if they possibly can, to connect into a small group so they can experience these things. Paul affirms the church in their convictions and in the outworking of these convictions, and he also confirms them in their afflictions. The church in Thessalonica began in difficult times, persecution and affliction from the start. Things got harder. The opposition had intensified. Likewise, um, I think this is fair to say, Chalmers began 10 years ago in difficult times. Very different from the context in Thessalonica. Not as hard as that, but difficult nonetheless. And uh, over the years, we experience ongoing spiritual um, warfare. And again and again, through these two letters, Paul says this is normal. It's not a sign that something is wrong. Rather, it is the inevitable consequence of a church committed to the word of God and the gospel. Now, I think it's good for us just to acknowledge that at the start of another year, there will be affliction, opposition. I think typically in our culture, just the the increasing difference and distinctiveness and spiritual opposition. Certainly my experience, and I I think um, Roger and Jay would, would attest to this, and I think it's there's a pattern that I think is true that those of us preaching regularly that that the kind of spiritual opposition gears up as you come towards the Sunday Saturdays for me are usually days when I'm I'm sick I mean not very but just not good I think that, that maybe I shouldn't have said that don't feel sorry for us just pray for us as we preach. Spiritual, it's real, it's a dynamic. So, um, be affirmed um, 
in that. That seems a strange and kind of odd thing to say, but it just goes with the territory. You see how, you see again how valuable, if that's true, how corporateness in terms of lots of people doing ministry, lots of leaders, lots of elders, lots of small group leaders, how helpful and valuable that is. It's one thing to be affirmed in our afflictions, knowing they are normal. It's another to know God's care and comfort, his supernatural help, protection, establishing, keeping and growing the church through it all. One of the things that I'd encourage you to do, I don't think anyone ever does these things when we encourage them, but you could, you could humor us by doing it and encourage us by saying we, you were encouraged to do it, is go back with the old highlighter pen. Highlighter pens are great when you come to the Bible because you've got to highlight all the command stuff with one pen and then highlight all the promises. One and two Thessalonians is full of wonderful stuff about not you be steadfast this year, is that Christ is steadfast. The Lord is good. The Lord's comfort to you. Let me just read you some of the wonderful statements, one of them from 2 Thessalonians. Um, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through his grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Now that deserves to be highlighted and read and prayed and etched on our hearts. Or 2 Thessalonians 3, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you. And Paul the Apostle says, Paul the Apostle, inspired by Jesus, looking up to God and looking out at the local church, saying, we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the steadfastness of Christ and to the love of God. Now, what I can promise you in the year ahead is afflictions. We can promise you because we're accountable to each other, that the ministry, the word, and prayer will be the heartbeat. We'll try and equip more people and encourage more people in that. There will be a growth in faith, in love, and in hope. People going through difficult times will be wrapped up in faith and love and hope with those who journey with them, studying the Bible with them, And there will be afflictions. I can promise you that because the Bible promises us that. But the Bible also promises that the Lord Jesus will comfort us and establish us and hold us safe in these afflictions. We'll come through another year. We'll come through another year because he is guarding us. One more mark and uh, we'll bounce over uh, everything about the return of Jesus. I've just written that for you there, just to, um, you can go back and look at that. So selfless commitment to serve the wider church. Uh, when we, not because it's, it's Will, but when Will went off to Redeemer this year, for me certainly, um, uh, I, I'm being a bit more personal than usual this morning, that's not wrong, I, I hope you, I, was, I found that really hard, this, not because it was Will especially, although we did love to talk about cricket, but because it was just the straw that broke the camel's back, like number 30 or whatever it is. And I thought, well, it's just abandoned training. How about that? 
Or let's get to know and love Richard and Yuko and Kaz and Isla and then we send them off. And there's that wonderful phrase in, in, in 1 Thessalonians. Paul says we were, we were torn apart, not in heart though, but in person. There's a couple of families in the church thinking about going to join up perhaps with a new church and one that will become revitalized. What do we see? We find ourselves encouraging them. That's a good idea. Sometimes through gritted teeth. And of course, this church in Thessalonica, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, but your faith has gone forth everywhere. What does that mean? Well, I'm not really sure what it means. I think reputation is one thing, but I think what it probably means, reputation is not a good thing, because nobody really knows what you're like until you're there under the lid. I think sending people away. That's how your faith goes everywhere. You just go. So this coming year, no one is allowed to leave. Okay. Yes, you are. So affirmed in our convictions, in the outworking of these convictions, in afflictions and in God's care for us, and affirmed in our commitment to serve the wider church, trading and sending out gospel workers. And just as important... Um, these families to be part of churches that are beginning across the country. Uh, Authenticity uh, affirmed. Now, it's right to hear affirmation. If it is justified, it's necessary to hear it so we keep going. And there's much that we can be encouraged um, in. I'm going to jump over the next bit. The letters have a lot to say about the truth of the return of Jesus um, people had concerns pastorally and, and the, the apostle dealt with that we'll just pass on with that um, there are lots of encouragements in the letter to press on in the Lord's strength um, Roger two weeks ago I think he preached um, the passage was um, verses 13 to 17 of 2 Thessalonians 2 one of the things he, he brought out is, and it, it certainly made it into my diary, was, are we thankful? You know, there's, you can say to somebody, be thankful. But are we thankful? I'm married to somebody who counts their blessings every day and thanks the Lord, thanks the Lord. And, and just the thanksgiving, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the life of Charles that we need to fix and sort and do this and do that. And there are a lot of things, but there's so much to be thankful for. It's you. It's all of it's so much to be thankful for. Are we thanking God for all the good things? And uh, that um, that wonderful verse, uh, chapter three, verse one. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured. I have one hundred and twelve ideas as to how we can do that this year. We'll just do two or three of them. No such thing as a quick fix or a silver bullet. And that wonderful, wonderful verse, chapter 3, verse 5. What a, what a manifesto for the year ahead. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God 
and to the steadfastness of Jesus Christ. Now, as we finish, um, a strange way for the letter to finish, um, but very real. Um, it, gives you the, it gives you real confidence that these letters are uh, inspired, they're real, they're, they're written to real churches. Um, and there was an issue going on in this church, um, I've entitled it Work Hard and Warn the Idol. Um, Paul is talking in these verses about paid work, you know, people going to, to work to earn a living. And what seems to have happened in the church in Thessalonica is that some people, a minority, for no good reason, had chosen not to work to earn a living and were having to be supported by those who were working. Bible commentaries have a thousand explanations as to what was going on. I don't think we really know why they were doing that. It might be something to do with a misunderstanding about the return of Jesus and how they should live in the meantime. What we do know is that some people were not working and we're not talking about people not working who can't work or or of an age, you you don't work carefully with this. I'm not going to spend like 15 minutes saying all the things it doesn't mean. It's just people choosing to be idle, effectively. And the the Bible translation um, talks about they're not busy but being busy bodies. That's not a literal translation of the Greek, but the Greek is is sort of saying that. Look, they're not busy, but they're, they're just... Busy body, I'll let you work out what that means. They could, it could never exist as a church, could it? There's very little of that in the life of this church. There are a lot of churches where there's a lot of that, and it's enormously destructive. By and large here, when confidences are shared rightly amongst leaders to pray. We would normally, if there's a pastoral issue, we would say to you, look, can we share this with one or two or, or with the elders? Normally, that's a good thing to do. These confidences are, I hope, hardly ever breached. Because people don't want to engage in that. Busy bodies around the church. Um, don't know who they are. Don't know who you are. What's the principle here? I don't think the principle is going to work, getting your head down, doing your job is a good thing. I think it is, and it's spoken about elsewhere in the Bible. It's a very, very powerful thing. And I think it would be appropriate for us to say and one of the things I, I love doing is meeting with you where you work, understanding what your job is and supporting you and praying for you in that. I don't think that's the main point here. I think the main point here is between uh, work and idleness, whether in life or in the church. In church, the best way I think of describing the life of the Christian on this earth is a life of sustainable sacrifice. I, I don't think there is any biblical teaching that would encourage you to think you need a work-life balance. I think the Bible would say we need a work-rest balance or a work-rest and enjoyment balance because it, it, there's one life we live as, as Christians. And I think that, that this passage finishes up saying don't be idle, don't be idle, don't be, don't be idle. Um, 
And I think what's behind it, what makes people weary is when they are working hard in a church and others are idle. I think, I think that's true. I think, I think that's fair. There's not much of it, though. But there might be a bit of it. And I want you to set that alongside. There are a number of you, and you're here this morning, whom, who are wanting to serve, and, and we're trying to make that happen and, and, and find the, the, the ways where that can thrive. That's an issue we face uh, as a church, like other churches. We're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about idleness and whatever. When people expect to be served but don't serve, when people benefit but don't give, all that kind of stuff in the life of a church. All of us sharing in the ministry of the church together. But remember the idol, our brothers and sisters. Lovingly warn them. Let's finish with a benediction. The word benediction um, means a short invocation for divine help, blessing and guidance, usually at the end of the worship service. Well, here we are. Let's have a benediction at the start of the next year. Okay? May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. It's a great comprehensive statement. Uh, Peace, there is an objective fact that you are safe and secure for all eternity through faith in Jesus Christ. It is also a subjective experience. Peace is not just a status, it is a state. But we need to hold on to the status, not the state, because that is elusive. We are at peace with God. The Lord be with you all. There's a promise for the year ahead. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness. In every letter of mine, it is the way I write. We take that as an affirmation that these are the apostles' words, Jesus' words to us, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So let's crack on for another year. Let's be ever thankful. Let's see the word of God run and run and run. Let's see faith, love, and hope embedded in many people's lives. That fourfold dynamic of love, the love of God for us, our love for him, our love for you, your love for us. Love fourfold in its uh, dynamic. Let's be mindful that the Lord Jesus is coming back. Let's be ready at all times. Let's press on in the Lord's strength. Work hard. Sustainable sacrifice. Warn the idol. If you're idle, if you're being a busybody, well, let's change that. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter. Thank you for um, the the burden that it um, lays on our hearts for the year ahead. And pray that we would go forth in strength and courage and um, be this kind of church. And uh, all this we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.